if you're regulars, which is pretty much most of you, you'll be aware that we've been talking for a while. We've been meeting kind of as a church just over a year on Sundays, um, for just over a year, so probably about 55, 60 times we've met on a Sunday, kind of in this environment weekly. Um, and before that, we were in Sittingbourne. Our family moved over, um, and we've been in Sittingbourne. And we, during all that time, we've been trying to plant a church. We're now at this point where there's... Um, I tried to have a count earlier, maybe 25, 30 people. I'm not sure if anyone's come since I counted. Um, and that would be pretty normal for most Sundays. Um, and just before Christmas, we had a, a house group or midweek meeting at Jonathan and Teresa's house. And there were about 25, 27, 28 people in the room. Um, we even had to have some people sat outside of the front room because we couldn't all get in the front room. Um, so Sarah, wasn't it? Jerry's wife, Sarah, um, was in the other room just because the, the noise of it all was a little bit overwhelming. Um, and so we're at the point where if we all wanted to get in the same room for the same thing, other than Sundays, it's incredibly difficult. We don't have many people with mansions that can host like 30, 40, 50 people. And we're really believing in faith that Jesus has called us here, um, not just for ourselves, but there's many more who are part of kind of God's family. Well, just like we prayed this morning like that and encouraged us from Ezekiel who are yet going to join the church. People who are of faith who might join us, um, people who aren't of faith who are going to come to Jesus, um, and people are just going to come along and inquire and maybe not stick around. And we really want to have a table big enough, using a metaphor, that there's always room for one more person to pull up a chair, come and join us. There's always room for another family to come along and join us. You add another five people, like when the bays came from Medway to support, which was great, um, but all of a sudden you're like, wow, that's five people every week. That's, that's, that's full on to accommodate. Six, six, yeah, sorry. Six. Um, and th- so in faith, what would it look like if God added another, another two or three families? That can happen very quickly. One family invites another family. The same with the um, Hendersons. Not Hudsons, is it? Is it Henderson Hudsons? It's Hudsons, isn't it? I always get it wrong. I'm very sorry. I'll get better at that. You have to forgive me. I'm not doing very well here, am I? <laughs> Five inst- It's the coffee. Thank you, Jerry. It is the coffee. Um, but basically, God's been talking to us. This vision here, which we put like our 2020 vision, 20 times 20, is we want to be in a position where we are able to multiply connection points so that lots of other people can enjoy what we're beginning to enjoy together. We feel like God's given us a little bit of an understanding of who he's called us to be here in Sittingbourne. And so one of the first things we felt that we needed to multiply, we're not quite needing to find another Sunday space yet or to start another meeting, but you think another 20 people in here will start to feel quite packed, and that can happen very quickly. A year ago, there was a family of five that met at this table. That was our family, and then the very next week, there was like 20-odd people. Um, So very quickly, God can just bring people. Lewis, you are a superstar. Round of applause for Lewis. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. And so we've, there's been a, I guess for a while we've been like praying about, talking about multiplying midweek group, which when you're in a large church isn't much at all. You just think, well, we've just started a new group, great. But when you're small like us, you think it's a bit like getting a delicate little plant that's just been planted and you're like, we want this plant to multiply. Is it mature enough yet for it to multiply? Because the way we're going to need to multiply it is basically to to do this, to divide, not divide, divide's wrong, split's wrong, all the word breaks wrong, all because to multiply, we want to multiply, but to do that, there, there is a sense of having to, to, to distance parts of it into new places so that it can grow, yeah, and so if you do that too early, you can kill the thing, can't you, do you know what I mean, I don't know if you've ever done that with a plant, maybe lopped off a branch, moved it to another part of the garden, and one bit doesn't take, and it shrivels up, then the other one takes ages to heal and to try and get life to it again 
And so in faith, we're sort of thinking like, Lord, do we just stay like 20, 30 of us trying to cram in a front room and just tell others they can't come? We, we have like this secret meeting that we don't say like, we're not going to tell you about midweek because it's just like you joined a little bit too late. You know, and, and that doesn't seem like the heart of the New Testament. And, and obviously there are people that meet in underground churches and all sorts of places like in the Middle East and out in Asia where they cram hundreds of people into a tiny little room like this and they're all worshipping Jesus. So, you know, we, we need to lose some of our kind of pleasantries about what we do when we meet and how comfortable and twee it's going to be. But we, we've really felt in faith it's time to multiply the group. And so we've been having conversations with some good and faithful people who we think would be excellent. They've proven themselves in the last year or so um, in, in faithfulness, in care for people, um, in just consistency and presence, like in lots of different ways. And so without wanting to embarrass them, we'll just cut to the chase. Um, we've got the Gregories. Woo! And together with the Gregories. And then Lizzie just over here. They haven't fallen out. I think it's just where the... <laughs> they've multiplied already. Yeah. And, uh, um, and then the, uh, the other wonderful couple handing out the post-its and pens, Jonathan and Teresa. Woo! Here for Jonathan and Teresa. Um, and so we've been having some conversations, because basically what's happened over the last year, we've been meeting all together, and we've all taken turns at kind of hosting it, leading it. It's been at lots of other people's houses besides, like Jitte's and Chris's and others as well. Um, um, but these guys have really been like a part of the core team. They've been around re- pretty much since day one. They get what we're about. We've... We meet together as guys every week, pretty much. And we meet downstairs like at seven in the morning. It's an ungodly hour, if there ever is such a thing. And, but we meet together, we pray, we talk about the church, and we talk about what's coming up next. And so there's a real sense of us doing stuff. Plus, we're all kind of in and around the court as well, trustees, stuff like that. And so that works really well. And so we, we thought, if you've known me for much longer than a few weeks, you'll know that I'm, I'm full of vision. I'm, I'm full of like, let's go and advance. But I'm, a, I'm a, more of a speedboat than a barge, so being a barge captain is a bit of a tricky one. Um, and so, really, like, as we started to look at how things might work, I, we, I think we felt like my, my, my role in kind of what we're doing next is kind of to get in and amongst the new settings, make sure they're stable, catalyse things, start them well, and then go and start another new group, potentially. And so these guys um, are faithfully going to basically open their homes and host Midweek, so we're going to go from one group to two groups. We did a little exercise online where we got you all to um, kind of put down on a list. We sort of sent a list of dates and times groups could meet. Would it be a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday? What time you might meet, with or without food? And um, there was a list that I've actually got here. I'm not going to show it publicly. There was a list that out of the 30 or so that are part of the church, there was around about eight that said they could do a Wednesday. There was about 10, I think, that said they could do a Thursday. And then there was a, an, another group that kind of either said they could do both, uh, around about 12. I think it was maybe just another eight. There was a few that didn't participate, um, but we won't look around the room and name names. Um, but but uh, potentially we could have three groups. But there were a few people that said we could go either way, really. We're not too bothered. Um, we could do a Wednesday or a Thursday. So there are going to be two groups. The first group, um, not that we're putting group one, group two, group A, group B, um, the best group, yeah, 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 yeah. So, chronologically, yeah. So, there's going to be a Wednesday night group at Jonathan and Teresa's, uh, or they're going to be hosting it, and it's going to be from half past six until eight o'clock. And it's not going to consistently have food every week. Um, both groups are not going to have food every week. They will have food at times, but we, as we were talking, and even actually hearing from the church, People were like, it's a real stress getting home from work and having to rush out. Sometimes for the people who are hosting, having to actually do food every single week 
for potentially 15, 20 people is, it's, it becomes a chore, a bit, a bit more of a burden than a blessing. Some people love doing it. Jitte's great. She's like running around, doing it all on her own. Here for Jitte. But, um, but for some people, it's like, I've just got in from work and then I'm having to like literally like prepare food for X amount of people. And, and getting others to do it in the group, sometimes a bit of a challenge, getting people to bring stuff and then they don't come and then you've not got enough food. So we just really wanted to make sure we we were doing things in a way that honoured people, not became a bit heavy. Um, and so their group's going to meet um, on a Wednesday, half 60 or half eight. Then the other group, not the second or the B group, the Thursday group, um, the Gregory's group, is going to meet on a Thursday, and that's going to be a bit later to enable people to get there who um, are commuting and stuff like that uh, or travelling for work. So that's going to be from half seven till nine, wasn't it? Yeah, half past seven until nine. And so... What we're going to do, I'm going to preach in a minute on why you need community. Not why we need community, why you need community. Why you need to sign up to a hope group. Now, the point of hope groups, so this is a little bit of a thing in the background, um, is, so if you look here on this bit of paper, um, well, not paper, paper, very big bit of paper. If you look on this banner, there's this thing of, so the the midweek groups are going to be called hope groups. And the purpose of these groups is going to be to reproduce hope in the hearts of Everyone, everywhere, every day. The hope of Jesus. And so it's to reproduce people who honour Jesus, they obey his word, they pray beyond themselves, and they get the fact that all, everyone's a witness. We've all got a story to share about Jesus. And so the, the focus of those groups is basically to get in tight, a bit of nitty-gritty, kind of the stuff that we're talking about on Sundays and try and get some traction on it. Um, so we're praying for one another. We're literally talking about the people that we've just prayed for. And we're sort of saying, could you get in touch with them? You know, what could we do? Is there, is there a situation we could help you with? You know, the things like Morwen has just shared, how do we appropriately, as we get bigger, we can't all care for everyone. So as we almost allocate ourselves to different groups, we could do that centrally, in that I could say, right, you guys are going to go there, you guys go that group. But that becomes a little bit, you know, there, there are relational dynamics, there are geographical dynamics, there's even just your availability. And so we'd love it, over time, if we could get to the point where there was like an east kind of sitting-bourne group, that would be like the Tenham edge of town, and Merston, which these guys could facilitate, which might have Chris and a few others in it, kind of that edge of town. Then there might be one that's a bit more central, and like West sitting-bourne, South sitting-bourne, that would be great. What if there was a third group that started, as the others started to get engaged, that's a bit more like Kemsley, and, and pushing up towards Sheppey, you know, that edge of town. But we don't want geography to be the defining factor, because there will be a thing that, I'd love to be in Jonathan Trees, but actually... I can only do a Thursday night and I'm available on a Thursday so I'm going to go to their group even though I live right near them. You know, that might be... So people can go wherever. You're going to get to choose where you want to go. Um, if you can do either group, please let us know. And so what we are going to do right now on your post-it um, as families or couples, unless you want to be in different groups because you're multiplying like you two, lovely. But there is... Could you write on your bit of paper... Your, your name, very clearly, so that I can read it afterwards, because what we're going to do is gather these up and figure out exactly what it's going to look like. We would love you to write down on your bit of paper your name, the group that you can go to. If you can go both, great. And so it's Wednesday at half six till eight, or Thursday, half seven till nine. Okay? And then Jonathan and Teresa will host the Wednesday group, but they'll have other people in the group that will also host. So they will facilitate that group, but it might also meet at Jitte's house. Adam and Lizzie will host their one, but it might also meet at Robin Pung's house or at Ian and Bronwyn's house. 
Um, I don't know, what, what, but it depends who's in each group. So it's not all going to be, it's all at their house, it's all at these guys' house. And these groups are going to meet on the second and the fourth week of every month. So they're going to meet twice a month. On the other weeks, there's going to be things like prayer meetings and just a chance to meet up in smaller groups like I do with these guys. Um, and so could you just spend a moment now, right on your bit of paper, whether you can go to the Wednesday one or the Thursday one, or neither, you put just not interested in midweek groups. And if you put that, then hold on to your bit of paper, because then you're going to really need to hear my sermon that's coming up in a minute about why, about why we need communities. Like, yeah, it's heavy shepherding at its best. Um, so whether you can do the Wednesday or the Thursday. So Wednesday's a bit earlier, half six till eight, and the Thursday's half seven till nine. We're hoping that as those groups grow, what will probably happen is Natalie and I will start a third group, maybe on another night, or on, on one of those nights at a different time, that we'll then have a third group. And then eventually we'll have a fourth group, and then we'll have a fifth group. And so the whole thing isn't this is a starting point, this isn't the ending point. And because they meet fortnightly, because they meet fortnightly, they're going to actually meet, I think, nine or ten times before the end of July. Then they're going to break until September. So there's going to be a bit of a break over the summer. During that time, we'll just have a few socials, barbecues, go out for a picnic, go for a walk, some nice stuff like that. We might have like a curry night or something. So that'll be a bit more social time over the summer. Then in September, when they start again, there may be a third group that starts and we can reorient again. So they're going to kind of have like a bit of a 10-week starting point. But the aim is really to kind of try it out, iron out the wrinkles. We've all probably been in churches. Groups change every other kind of year, don't they? It's kind of how it is. We've got a new format for small groups. Now we're going to do these things. Now we're going to do... But we really wanted to do something where, firstly, we work out pastoral things. So for me, like just talking from, from my heart, as a, a, a big group of us went over to Faversham recently. They appointed a new elder. Beautiful, wonderful time for the churches here in Swale. Um, as someone who feels responsible as a shepherd for who God has entrusted to us, not like we're all, we're all sheep, but... It's incredibly hard now to get around and be able to give an account for everybody. It's really difficult. And so we need to release and recognise where there are people who've got a grace for kind of shepherding other people, feeding, accountability, kind of rebuking as well, you know, where things start to go, hang on, that's a, can we talk about what just happened there? And so it's really good that we kind of recognise those gifts and release them amongst the church. And we kind of recognise who we are and who we're not. And so to be able to almost say, like, okay, well, those, the 30 people we got in the church, if we could allocate those 30 across two groups and then allocate those across three groups, kind of pastorally, we know that if someone's going through something, they, they, they've kind of given themselves to healthy leadership who, who they're inviting to speak into their life. So if you're going through something, you don't need to go through it on your own. I think that's key because it could be months before I'm, I actually get around to just ringing you and saying, hello, how are you doing? You're like, actually, you know what? The last eight weeks have been hell. I've, I've gone through so much stuff, I've lost my job, this has happened. And so our WhatsApp group, I don't know how you find it, but in one WhatsApp group, there's 30 people in our WhatsApp group, and, and some days there can just be so many prayer needs that you sort of flick through them and you think, I just can't keep up. Um, and, and as the church gets to, say, 100, 200, 300, 1,000, you know, where, where could it go? There's 65,000 people in Sittingbourne. Um, that isn't the place where that stuff should get dealt with. The place where that should get dealt with is in meaningful community, with trusted brothers and sisters who you can physically meet up with and lay hands on and pray grace into and prophesy over, doing it on a Facebook group, it, it helps. If all we've got is the Sunday, well, of course, we need to use that group, but actually we, we, we really see the benefit of community. So how are you getting on with your post-it notes? 
Are we all done? Anyone need a bit of time? Could you, yeah, could you connect them? Don't know what to put. Yeah, yeah, the group leaders, I don't want to be in the Thursday one. Oh, it's not a secret ballot. They've got your names on, so um, make sure it's got your name on. Because what, what's going to happen is from this point, from this point, what's going to happen, we're going to gather these bits of paper up and we are going to um, collate them, just make a little bit of a list. And then those group leaders are going to get in touch with you and they're going to be like, great, we're so pleased that you want to join our group. If you said you could go in either group, then you might find that there's like some incentives. You might be able to say, what, what can you offer me to join your group? Is there cake? Is, is there real coffee or is it instant coffee? That would be my thing. What sort of coffee is there going to be? Is there going to be filter coffee? Do you have like decaf tea or is it just normal tea? Is it like red band stuff or Tesco's? You know, there's all that sort of stuff at play. Um, and so you'll, you'll get someone will contact you over the next couple of weeks and they're going to meet, the first week they're going to meet is the 4th and the 5th of March. So they're going to start on the... No, hang on, the 11th and the 12th of March, yeah, the 11th and the 12th. The 11th is actually our wedding anniversary, there you go. Um, yeah, the 11th and the 12th of March, and then they're going to meet fortnightly after that. So we're talking week two, week four of the every month up till July. But what will happen as the groups start, one of the things that's helpful for you to know is content-wise, both groups are going to run through the same stuff. So if you're in this group or that group, doesn't matter, we're all doing the same stuff. I'm actually going to be in growth both groups, so if you want to avoid me, tough luck, you'll have to not go to a group. Um, as much as I'm able, I'm going to go to both groups initially just so we can see how it all works and we can figure it all out together. And then that way we can debrief as sort of couples about how it's working as a, as a team. We're really going to want to get your feedback as well just to kind of, how do you feel things are going? Are we missing anything? Um, but we really want to just kind of initially, for that first 10 kind of times we meet, is try and embed some of this. Um, what does it look like for us moving forward, not just for this year, but moving forward as a church? How do we reproduce the hope of Jesus in the hearts of everyone, everywhere, every day? Is that okay? Great. Right, so, if you're still not convinced, here are ten biblical reasons. We, we probably won't get for all ten, because already it's eleven o'clock. So um, I'm going to try and rattle through these. I've got verses for everyone. I won't necessarily read them out, because that's ten Bible verses. It could be quite a lot. So the first reason we all need community is this. Community challenges you to be more like Jesus. Community challenges you to be more like Jesus. It says in Hebrews, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And so it says that we are to carry on meeting together, not online although we can do that, but physically meeting together with one another. And the reason that we do that is so that we can spur one another on. When we're going through it, like say with Mawena's knee and things are getting dark and a bit moody, we're actually able to meet up and say, come on, this, we know it's really tough. We're not going to try and pray it away. We know healing needs to happen, but we're with you, we're for you. When people are getting sick, when situations are going on, we rally around one another. We're able to provide meals for one another. We care for one another. We can only really do that physically, embodying ourselves. That's what Jesus did. He physically embodied himself amongst us in our brokenness to spur us on and encourage us on to make God known. And we're to do that to one another. We are literally all a gift to one another to make Jesus known so that we can all become more like him and speak into each other's lives. And it's a bit of a, a grind, isn't it? I don't know how you find it, but meeting up with other people, sometimes it can be a bit of a grind, can't it? 
That's good you said that. I'm not sure I necessarily always do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but there is this whole thing. We were saying in, in the midweek, we met up to talk about midweek groups. When we meet together, you always come away from it feeling more blessed. Like there's genuinely this thing like, should I go to a group? I really can't be bothered. It's cold outside. It's dark. I'm fed up. I've had enough. Everything's just getting on top of me. When you go, you come away, even if you're still more tired, you come away feeling energised. People have been out to pray for you. The more you get detached, so I remember the image of people saying it's a bit like a coal. You take it out of the fire, yeah. it might keep its heat for a little bit, but soon that coal is going to go very cold and dead, and the fire is gone. And the only way really for that bit of coal to reignite is to reintroduce it to the flame. And so our job really as a, as a people, as we gather in our different groups and together, is to, is to encourage one another, is to blow on that flame in one another's hearts as we identify, actually, you know what? I've not seen Adam for a little while. I'm going to meet up with him. I'm going to, I'm going to sort of breathe some life into his heart through Jesus um, and, and vice versa, that we kind of know one another enough to know what's going on. That's a good thing, point one. Point two, community, and this is a really selfish one. This is a good one. Community meets your practical needs. It meets your practical needs. So often we think of community, it's about us giving out. This is actually what it does for us. You read in Acts 2, 42, 47, they met regularly in each other's homes. They broke bread together. They had food together. And where there was need, people sold possessions that they had and they met those needs. So if you're going through something, say you've had something and you're... Lit- oh, sorry, I wanted to pick on you. And, and you say it's just going to be a challenge to, to cook for a bit. Like people did you some meals. We had that like Jane... To, which was good. And Jane and Tunji, like when um, Millie passed away, the church really wrapped around them. And it's in those, opportun- in those times there's an opportunity for us to meet very real needs. Now sometimes there might be things that we think are needs that aren't needs. And they might not be met. But, so, I don't know. Gordon wants to get a brand new interior for his van. Guys, could we all come together? Like, I would expect you guys to say, come on, you're having a laugh. But there will, be, there will be other needs where, I don't know, so, so like we've, we've genuinely had it, where people lose jobs, they're out of work for a time, and then you can't put food on the table. Well, there's a need, and I would expect us to rally to that. Yeah? And so in some ways, you know that you've got your back covered if you're in community, because everyone else has got your, we're all looking out for one another, and vice versa, your heart should be, oh, I've got everyone else's back covered. If there's a need... Even with the little that I've got, we don't need to be rolling in it. Even with the little that I've got, I'm going to try and wrap around these people. Even if I can't give anything in regards to resources, I can give of my heart and let people know that I'm for them and I care for them. Does that sound okay? So community meets our practical needs. Number three, community carries you emotionally. It says in Galatians that we're to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ, firstly, love God. Secondly, love one another as I've loved you. That's the law of Christ, yeah? That what of the Ten Commandments is the most important? Jesus summarised it as love God with all your heart and love one another as I've loved you. And so as we carry each other's burdens... Oh, that's my coffee, isn't it? Thanks, mate. I'm glad you've got my back covered. That's community in action. But we're to carry each other's burdens. And so there's a real sense that when... We're going through it. We're literally going to carry each other's burdens because in doing that, we're demonstrating very real, tangible love. We're not there, there in people. We're not tolerating people. Some people have more burdens than others. Yeah? And we will have seasons where we are more burdened than we think we can ever handle. 
And the reason God's put us in community is so that others can come alongside. And a bit like Moses when he was praying for the nation, he needed others to lift his arms up. It's a bit like that, carrying one another's burdens. There are going to be times when you're so overwhelmed with life, you're going to need people to come alongside you and, and physically carry you. Tunji was like that. He needed physically carry. I met with him and he, he, he was done. He just lost the love of his life. He was done. And he needed people of faith to rally around him and to love him and carry him. That's why God has given us community. Imagine going through that on your own. Why would... What, so this is the thing. If, you, if you've not put down, you want to meet in a group, if you don't see the need for community, you might not be able to meet one of those groups, that's fine. But if you don't see the need for community... You have no care for yourself. You're, you're disregarding your own self-care because you're not meant to be an island that cares for yourself. You're meant to give yourself to others so that they can, like in vulnerability, so that you can be tended to like a little child. So that when you are hurting, people can literally love you and care for you and tend to you like Adam and Lizzie are with their little one. There will be seasons where you literally need that. We need that. Like the church rallied around, we've had times like at Medway where things have been incredibly difficult in our family. We've got quite a, a different family mix up and we've needed times where people have really wrapped around us. Some of you will be from other nations, you probably need it more than others. You know, you're literally here and, you know, like kind of nuclear family isn't around you. God has given us community so that we can be carried emotionally. Number four, community reveals your latent gifts and talents. So, on a, bless you, Teresa. Teresa has the talent for good sneezing. So, on, on a Sunday, we, we know that Adam's great at leading worship. We know that some people are great at welcoming and hospitality. Some people would have been, the, you know, like a lot of people say, the first person we met were Jonathan and Teresa. Because um, they jump on people as soon as they go in. They're very good at welcoming. And, and you might say, well, some people are great at, at the front talking. Maybe not the guy that's up today, but some people are great at the front talking. But there's only so much we can do on a Sunday. But when we're in a smaller community, you start to find that actually that person's really caring. That person's got a gift of faith. When they pray, wow, actually that person prayed for someone and their knee got better. That person's got a gift of healing. You know, and we start to say, like I've noticed in Lizzie, she's got a gift of administration. She's got a beautiful gift for just getting things done. It's amazing. <laughs> but no, but you start to, as you know one another, you see what one another are, you also see what one another aren't. So we have some great conversations about strengths and weaknesses. We were talking about the groups, and like Adam piped up, Adam's got a pastor's heart. So Adam's like, Gordon, this is great. I love division for multiplication. I love all of that. But for some people, this could be a big deal. Their relationships are going to change. And I'm just thinking, advance, go, multiply to the ends of the earth. And Adam's like, this could really hurt some people's hearts. Relationships will reorient. People will feel distance. We know what one another are, what one another aren't. So we, we combine that and we work in team so that we're seeing the big picture of God's heart. And when we're in community, we get all of those gifts gathered together and the church is all the better for it. When we're on our own, or if I was to say try and lead on my own as an island and I'm not seeking anyone else's help, that would be an incredibly lopsided church, wouldn't it? It would fall over very quickly. The New Testament church doesn't look like that. So the community reveals your latent gifts and talents and it gives them a chance to be expressed and drawn out. And some gifts may get expressed on a Sunday. Others might be out in the community. So we've got Teresa, Chris and Natalie are going to be part of our Cat Life Skills team that's starting in April, we're hoping. They've got an incredibly, incredible gift for helping people. And so that's going to get expressed in that environment. 
And so we're just sort of trying to find out in community who's gifted in what way and how do we best outwork that as a church. Next one, community opens your eyes to the needs of others. And so this is kind of the same as that when we're in community, we start to see where other people are broken, where other people are needy, and, and it's an opportunity to meet that. Kind of echoes one of the ones we had earlier. Number six, community empowers your relationship with God. So in Proverbs it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So can I ask you a very personal question? This is for everyone in the room. If you are feeling blunt, if you are feeling jaded, if you are not feeling sharp and effective in your Christian faith, are you meeting with other people? Because iron sharpens iron. If you want to feel effective and sharp and, and kind of like a, a double-edged sword, you know, like, then it says here, iron sharpens iron. So one part, person sharpens another. So as we meet together, it's literally like we have it. On a, I, like, I get up, the only reason I get up on a Wednesday morning at like half six, I wake my wife up, upset, upset the house. I'm making all sorts of noise. I never get up when I'm meant to, so I'm on my phone for 20 minutes. I'm always late because I'm too busy faffing around on Facebook before I come. And, but when we meet together... The only reason I do it is because when I come away afterwards, I feel sharper. And these guys feel sharper. It is good for us. When we meet on a Sunday, we feel sharper. When we meet midweek, we feel sharper. I might feel tireder, but I feel sharper. Because I've given myself to meeting with other people, and it's good. If you were a warrior and you had a blunt sword, you're going to be no good in a fight, are you? And we are in a, in a hellish fight for our very souls. You would never go into a, into a war with a gun that shoots blanks. You wouldn't go into, if you were a samurai, you wouldn't go into a fight with a jaded sword, would you? We need to have this like wartime mentality. We are in a spiritual battle and we are called to sharpen one another for the fight that we're in. We're to have like that kind of, almost like, kind of, not, we're not, well, I better be very careful with my language because it's been recorded in a public place. But in some ways, it's radical. It's a radical faith. We're in a battle. It's not about flesh and blood. There's a spiritual war going on right now for people's very souls. We need to be tooled up and we need to be sharp and ready for when, for when it happens. It's always going on. Is that okay? Right. I won't push that anymore. So it empowers our relationship with God. We're speaking to one another's hearts. Number seven, community meets our need for love. Who's needy in the room? Who needs to be loved? Who wants to be loved? I want to be loved. Are you pointing at me? Yeah, you need to be loved. You know me very well. I, I do. I do. For all the brash bravado and all, I need to be, I'm very needy. I love affirmation. Um, I, I'm incredibly insecure. I need love. The only thing that's going to fill, fill my broken heart is the love of other people. I need all of you to love me. I crave your love. Maybe in an unhealth, unhelpful way. But God has given us relationships with other people so that we can have conversations like that. So that I can say, you know what, I feel... Inc- I text Adam, the, other, like the guys the other day, I feel incredibly... Um, what did I put? Hollow. I'm like, I feel really hollow, guys. And Adam's like, mate, do you want to talk? I'm like, I'm all right, I'm still alive and kicking. I feel hollow. There are so many people, you see it in the news, people literally taking their own lives because they are not able to open their mouth and say to other people, I feel hollow. I feel empty. I need love. I'm on my own. Will you be my friend? I remember saying to Adam, I just, we were talking about the, oh, sorry, I'm really picking on you today, aren't I? We, we moved here, Adam met just to tell us about Sittingbourne. They, there was no way these guys were going to join the plant. Very happy at Faversham. And then after that first meeting, I got a message not long after saying, I think God's telling us to join the plant. Woohoo! 
But when we met, I said, mate, I need, I need a friend. I need an armor bearer. I need someone to have my back. I need a Jonathan. I did say, Jonathan and the armor bearer, I need, like David and Jonathan, I need a Jonathan. I literally got, God gave me my wish. I have a Jonathan. <laughs> but God has given us one another. And we need to have that, like, literally, like, I, I don't know about you, I get tired trying to put a face on. Trying to put a mask on. Everything's all right. I'm doing okay. Everything's all right. And life is really, really rubbish at times. In fact, it's probably more rubbish than it is a joy. Isn't it? There are some things that can really take the wind out of your sails. We need people we can literally have a grumble with and we're not going to get judged. Yeah. I want to be a church where we're able to have a good grumble in faith <laughs> and find healing for our souls and care for one another that, you know what, it's all right. It's all right for you to feel like life is rubbish right now because it is, and I'm not sure I'd be able to cope. Let's try and walk the walk together. God's placed us in community so that we can literally walk that walk together and find healing in it, in one another's presence with all of our... All of our stuff. Yeah? Is that okay? Are we doing all right? Mm-hmm. Right. The, the last one's a dynamite. You're going to love these. So I'll better wrap up. So, number eight. Community offers opportunities for confession, which leads to healing. Guys, I've got a dark heart, and you won't know what I've been getting up to of an evening. You know, like, who feels like, I, I really lost it at work today, and I told my boss to do one in no uncertain terms. I, some, someone that cut me up in the car the other day and was calling me all sorts of words. I told my kids about this. This is a real story. And, um, and I literally, if I had had a gun in the car, this confession, if this is, I, I probably would have got locked up. This guy was like a bulldog barking and yelling and shouting at me. He was massive, a lot bigger than me. I wanted to... That is horrible. That is the darkness of the human heart. I'm not reveling in that. We have all got like this dark... Like, not Star Wars again, isn't it? But we've all got this dark side in us. And often we conceal it. And you know what grows best in the dark? Dirty, nasty, horrible things. When we get it out in the light and we pray for one another and we confess our sins to one another, it promises us this in, um, I appeal to you brothers and sisters, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. I can basically get my little shoebox of all the worst stuff, put it on, it's like Pandora's box and like, Guys, you ready? I'm going to show you the worst bits. What do you think? And then you can help me get it all out on the table without me feeling I've got to carry this around and hide it all. No one knows about it. Like Gollum with his precious little ring. Whereas actually this stuff is going to kill me and destroy my family and my life. And for me particularly, could take the church out. Question. Question. Is that kind of thing best in a small group or in yeah, a group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if, like, if I jumped up now and, like, confe- I've just done a confessional, haven't I? But, um... It's not going to get dealt with unless you all jumped up and started praying and rebuking stuff and casting stuff out right now. But there's going to be 12s where we gather together in the small groups, but then there's also the threes, which we're going to do on week three, which we've not started yet because we don't want too much change. But maybe just after, or just before the summer, we're going to start a thing on the third week where we're going to get together a bit like I've been saying I do with these guys, where really the stuff that we're hearing now can get fleshed out to some degree, in a 12, but the place really you can get prayer and people working stuff through on a very personal level is in a little small, small setting with, with a free. And you're just working through those weak points with one another, praying for grace. Number nine, community teaches you to work through conflicts. Community is difficult. We're going to wind one another up. We're going to have arguments at times. We've not had any big ones in the church yet that I know of. 
but we will have some, I guarantee it. Often with the ones that we love the most and we're closest to, or that remind us most of, of ourselves, or the people that are most like your mum. <laughs> people that try and mum me, oh, it winds me up, because I feel like that little boy, and I get all like, Ooh. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another in what you say, and that there may be no division among you, but you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Unity is key. If we're all like unified when we're together, but we're all backbiting when we're apart, and we're all talking about one another in, in a negative way, that's not going to stand for long. It's not going to last. There's actually a unity conference that's coming up in April, I think. Um, we've got Chris from the Holy Trinity Church. He's going to come and actually talk to us on a Sunday about unity. And he's going to champion that conference. It's actually on a Friday and a Saturday. It's a big conference. All the ch- well, not all the, ch- all the churches have been invited to get involved. We'd love you to come along. If you're able to come along, even if just for a session or two, it'll do you good. Um, we're going to try and go for, for some of them. We can't go for all of it, but it'll do us good. Unity is key, both across churches, but also in the church. And so as we have arguments, I've never left the church because of an argument, but I know it happens. We've got people that are in the church because sometimes it happens. But what we see here is there was no other church to go to, so it had to be worked out. We're now in an age where there's all sorts of denominations and flavours and streams that if you don't like what goes on here, you can just go out the road somewhere else and probably won't get asked about what happened here. But we don't see that in the New Testament church. What we see is a sense of don't take communion until you've worked out your disagreements because in, do, in so taking it, you're actually bringing death onto your life. Some people have literally passed away, it says in Corinthians, about taking communion with unforgiveness in our heart. So there's a real sense of living with authenticity and integrity and in open relationship with one another. Conflict isn't bad. Conflict is the very thing where health and healing can come in. I love conflict. Now, if we're going in expecting and wanting conflict, that's a problem. But when conflict comes, that is the opportunity for something, to, for something to move on, for life to come. It's a beautiful thing. Conflict is done well. It can bring healing and reconciliation. We, are, we were once in conflict with God. We have now been reconciled. We're no longer estranged. We are literally members of his household, children of God. Conflict and restoration is great. Reconciliation. And the last one, community gives you the chance to forgive. This is great. Because forgiveness is powerful. To say, look, I'm really sorry I've wronged you. Would you forgive me? Say, you know what? I'm releasing you from your debt. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, I forgive you. That is where healing comes. That's what God has done to us. He has forgiven us. Jesus on the cross has forgiven every sin. And we are called in community to forgive one another, when we wind one another up, when we keep posting. Gordon's always posting up videos telling us about what's going on in the church. I don't want to know. It winds me up so much. Please forgive me. <laughs> if it winds you up. Because actually, in forgiving me, you might find healing in your own heart. Because I don't know if it winds you up. I'm going to just keep doing it anyway. But if you forgive me, it will bring healing in your heart. It's about you finding liberty and freedom. Community is a beautiful thing, and we're called to be in it. This isn't really community. This is just a gathering. This is an event. We get together and we encourage one another. But if this is community, you're not going to get those 10 things from this. But you will get it from hope groups. I would like you, and and this is a bona fide thing, and I think the early church did the same. And this will upset some of you, so just give me a second. I want you to think of the main place you should connect to Hope Church, not as here. If it's it's a toss-up of a coin between here and midweek, it's midweek. That's the place you can outwork your faith. It's the place you can be known. It's the place you can grow. Sundays are a wonderful celebration. And I don't, don't think doing in conflict, 
We see the early church, they met daily in the synagogues, in each other's homes, and they wanted to be in fellowship with one another. It's about daily walk, a daily life. And that's why I love the geography of it, because if I'm in a group with these guys and we live really close to one another, we can, I can literally do the shopping. Jonathan's off work, he's hurt his foot. I'll do the shopping for you, mate. Is that all right? Not that he probably does the shopping, but anyway, could do the shopping. And so there's this real sense that we can wrap around, whereas if we're really detached, it gets more difficult. But even so, we need to contend and fight for community, because it's so important. God himself is perpetual loving community that invites in brokenness and brings healing. That's what he's done with us, and it's what he wants to do with the world he's placed us in. Does that sound okay? Yeah. So that's that. So just pray on your tables for a minute for everyone else in the church about community. Go through. Can you put a link on the notes to WhatsApp? Yeah, yeah, I'll put a link to the notes on WhatsApp. Of course I will. Yeah, not a problem at all. So should we just pray? Like, Lord Jesus, help us as a church to outwork community and with other churches.